0: Revived Thoughts is a production of Revive Studios. This is Troy and Joel, and you are listening to Revive Thoughts.
1: Troy, I am excited uh, to have another Rev- Revived Conversations episode with you, uh, talking about missions in the church. And this is, I don't know, kind of kind of unique. Concept we've been talking about, uh, kind of analyzing what is the church's relationship with missions and how that's changed over the years and what the current state of that is and, and why that might be. Troy, do you want to do you want to kind of set up the 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 concepts for us to talk yeah. about?
0: So when we look throughout church history, there it is important because we this is what we are. We're a church history show. You know, we don't really necessarily hit all the. Uh, Bible verses that you would expect mentioned, or we're not always aiming for teaching in the same way. Our show is designed, we're hoping to tell you, hey, the, a different perspective on these issues is let's look at the history of the church and what they have. That doesn't mean the right answers are always in the way things have been done before. That's not what we're saying. We're just kind of putting things into context. But when I look right now at the at the scope of the church, for me, in in I kind of think we're moving away from a really important thing the church has been involved in at least the last couple hundred years. Now, the church has not always done a good job with missions. There have been moments in history where the church really wasn't focused on outward growth. There's very famously, um, during the Catholic church era, when Genghis Khan had, you know, conquered the world in the Mongolian Empire. He nearly was ruling everything. He was open to Christianity and he asked the Catholic church, hey, send me... Um, you know, hundred Catholic, a hundred of your best Catholic priests have them come and convince me, basically, of your Christianity, and come and teach my people Christianity, and I will let Christianity into my empire. You know, I'm I'm very interested in what you guys had to say, and the Catholic Church sent two. And the two priests they sent were pretty much by themselves. They nearly starved and were nearly mugged and killed so many times on the way there that they showed up as just these two wounded, sickly, horribly out of, you know, whatever shaped people. And the Khan Empire was like, so you don't take us very seriously. You don't really care about us. Fine. They were not interested in you. And that pretty much closed the door on Christianity. Um, imagine if that had been different. Imagine if the Catholic Church had said, no way, we'll send you 200. We're going to make sure you guys are Christians. How different would the world be? So there are obviously moments, and that's not just me ragging on Catholics, but I mean, like, there are definitely moments in history where if we had been more focused on missions and more focused on expansion and telling the good news of Jesus Christ, how different would this world look today? How much more Christian, how many of the after effects of what we're feeling are because the church wasn't focused? Yet, at the same time, there's no denying that there are great moments, even during height moments of persecution, you know, during the middle of the Protestant Reformation, as uh, John Calvin and them are in Geneva, they're under tons of pressure to cave and go back to the Catholic Church, and yet they sent hundreds of missionaries into France and into other places, trying to make people Protestant, trying to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ, and we are all, a lot of us, can trace our Christianity back to those groups of people because of their dedication to missions. But in, in the moment we are living in now, as we're going through life, I do think that the church is sliding away from its desire to send missionaries. And and one of the reasons I believe that, actually, Joel, if I can do a little shout out to your church in this way, when I go to your church um, where you're located in Kansas City, um, let me just tell everyone the address so they can go straight to it. No, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but when I go to your church, I see a, a definite, kind of like an old school Uh, interest in missions where they have big walls of missionaries with all the people that they're supporting. You can go find all the cards of the people there. You can see letters that they've written in recent newsletters and there's a big emphasis. And this is all like in the sanctuary. Like this is right in the back where anybody visiting the church can see all these people that you guys are supporting and sending around the world. But I have visited many, many other churches and I don't see that anymore. And I think what your church you know his doing used to be a very very common thing mm. and i don't think that the church has that interest anymore they'll do you know it's very common to have like a summerly you know short-term mission trip for a couple weeks right. people go out and you'll take some people and, and and people will say it's transformational i grew so much you know there's all that kind of language but there's not really a desire on the local church level to have sustained missionaries or to have an interest in long-term missions anymore. And there are some people who are listening to this and are going to go, I don't even like that they're doing short-term mission trips. I don't want, you know, mission trips like that at Mm -hmm. all. It's hurtful to the culture. And there has become a real shift in the church where we're going, we don't really like missions and mission work anymore. And I think that this is very damaging and very dangerous and i think that even though people may be doing it in some cases with really good intentions it's going to land us in a place i think that is not very
1: good at all yeah well first of all thank you for uh, you <laughs> know for, for representing my i do think my church does an excellent job uh, with its attitude towards missions and 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 i think you're right there's a little bit of an old school vibe for that a lot of my church uh there is there is uh people from that era, the older people that uh, took missions serious. A lot of our congregation is made up of retired missionaries or you know, are people that, uh, you know, did spend some time overseas uh, serving in missions. And it's you're right, it is something that doesn't seem to be the focus of a lot of younger churches or newer churches in the area. And that, I mean, obviously we're overgeneralizing and we're talking about our perspectives. I know there there's uh, certainly churches that exist out there that are, are very hard the missions. Don't qualify I, this,
0: Joel. 100% of churches are doing exactly yeah. <laughs> what we say, and we won't hear any
1: excuses otherwise. <laughs> exactly. It is how we say it is, nothing else. No. <laughs> I think it's interesting, and this is just kind of a, a brainstorm, an analysis. We look at the duties of churches over the years and, and over even just the past few decades and stuff like that, it's it's hard to run a church. It is so hard. There's so many areas that God calls a church to serve in, you know, whether that's discipleship, whether that's uh, community outreach and, and serving the poor, uh, serving widows, you know, taking care of people within the church, taking care of people within your community, obviously missions being a factor in that. Um, and It's a lot to juggle. And what I tend to see over time uh, is that it's very rare that you find a church that's good in every area. You know, not to say that it doesn't exist. And through Christ, all things are possible, of course. But as long as people are running it, there are typically flaws as far as how perfect a church can be. And and not to say, I mean, I think the thing that's just a limitation of uh, the fallen world that we live in, right? I feel like you typically find churches that end up gravitating towards one area of, uh church duties and becoming really really good in that and that's kind of becomes what they're known for and the other areas they exist they're there but they're not uh, stressed as much as other ones and i feel like 30 years ago missions was one of those areas that and even before you know going back to my grandparents is anytime you know you couldn't kind of like i'd say like 50s through the 90s uh you know missions i feel like what, of course, we're talking like eras that was before I was alive, so I don't know how accurately I can speak to it. But it seemed like missions was more of a staple of churches. I, I both would even raising up go even yeah. further. I would say that it was before the '50s.
0: I would say that from yeah. around the 1820s. Until I think the '90s is not an unfair kind of ending point, no. but, it, but it could have been further. I, I look, we're not going to put a date down. I We actually do occasionally on revived conversations. We'll get emails, and people will be like, "Here's where you everything you got wrong." Like, we're giving you some perspective. We and encourage it. Write in, tell us. Write <laughs> in and tell me how I'm right. I'm yeah. not looking for. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But like, no, because if you remember Hudson Taylor's parents and David Livingston's parents and uh, John G. Mm -hmm. Payton's parents were praying and praying that their kids would be missionaries. So that Mm -hmm. goes back at least to the early 1800s. And I mean think of just that perspective, you are begging God to give, I mean, literally in Hudson Taylor's case, they're begging God to give them a child so that that child can go and be a missionary. They so desperately desire to see mm-hmm. Christ move to the nations. And obviously you can see the effect that John G. Peyton, Hudson Taylor, these men had on the world. That's definitely an old, I mean, at least a nearly 200 year old idea behind that. Yeah. But is anybody encouraging, you know, that kind of thing anymore That's or anything thing. remotely I th- close I think to this-
1: it? this notion that and it's a biblical concept that the the local church is the senders of of missionaries it's not a missions organization's job to send out missionaries it's it's your local church that should be bringing up training and sending out missionaries and i you know I, i feel like american churches at the very least broadly speaking once again Uh, It doesn't seem like we have that that mindset anymore, and I feel like it it's different different types of Church responsibilities have taken this place for that. I see discipleship being huge in a lot of churches Especially a lot of churches with younger folks or newer churches and I love to I think that's a great and honestly, that's uh, an area that maybe some of these older churches are lacking in you know the, the focus on the importance of discipleship and systems in place uh, to ensure that discipleship amongst the congregation, uh, amongst that outreach there. I think that's incredible. But again, it kind of back to that concept of churches seem to gravitate towards doing something, one thing really good and, and kind of struggling to do the other things around there. And so it seems like, I don't know, Troy, would you, would you agree? I, I just feel like there's been a lot of, churches that I've seen that have are really stressing and and doing excellent work with some great discipleship programs uh, and again I think it's awesome
0: but I, I think it's okay. What you're trying to say is we've moved the focus off of evangelism and missionary work, and we put it all on discipleship. Though discipleship kind of is I feel, important, yeah. we shouldn't just move all of the eggs into one basket, you know, as if you know, yeah. in a classic case of overcorrection, we've now gotten to the point where, and I think it's actually almost dangerous. I have been to churches where this has been I won't even say identically said from the pulpit, but 99% of this was said from a very large church's pulpit one time where basically they said, don't worry about telling people about Jesus. This is literally almost identically to what he said. Don't worry about telling people about Jesus Christ. Just give them a card and bring it to our church and we'll tell them the gospel for you and we'll do the discipling for you and we'll take care of all of that for you. Just get them in the doors of the church. And so now Mm. the church has almost become like in in some church circles, you know, that this is almost, especially, I think, I think especially the multi-campus larger churches struggle with this Hmm. idea where we're a channel. Your job is just to bring a lost person to church. And then all of it, evangelism, discipleship, everything is on us from that point onward. We know how to do it. We're the experts. We're the good marketers almost. And so let us brand them and get them in the door. Maybe that's too cynical, but I definitely see that perspective. And so discipleship, that discipleship, um, ethos really plays into that very, very well. I do think that the emphasis has become on discipleship to the point in some places where it's almost dangerous. And even when it's good, if you are discipling people, to a place where they're not interested in missions and evangelism, I do have to ask you, what are we discipling them towards? Like, we should be discipling people to be sharing their faith outwardly and desiring, if not a heart for missions, a heart for the lost. That should be a part of our discipleship curriculum. It is strange to me that the emphasis on discipleship has replaced evangelism. Those should be brothers. If you're getting discipled well, evangelism should be a natural outgrowth of that.
1: I have seen discipleship programs implemented very well that have that evangelism as a core fundamental aspect of what that discipleship means. And as you're mentioning, that's the way to go about that. And of course, you know, no church is perfect. If you put uh, these modern day churches in a time machine and send them back 30 years, they'd probably look at the missions focused churches that were praising so much 30 years ago and critiqued them for not having great discipleships right now. Um, it seems to be different than it was thirty years ago. is is, is all I'm trying to point out, Troy. Yeah, I also think
0: that we've kind of focused, there's been a lot of churches that have taken a focused shift. So for a long time, missions has been seen as something you send people to another country to do. And now missions has become for a lot of churches, well, we are a mission outreach to our city. We are involved in our local community. But what I don't like about this is this is this is basically juxtaposing. It used to be you'd send people far away, but you did nothing for your local community. Now we're churches that do things for our local community. And that's not an accurate representation of the churches throughout most of history. Most of the history of the churches have also been Mm -hmm. involved in their local community. Most churches in history, like most of the good churches we look back on in the last 200 years, were doing both. They were sending people far away, and they were also running, you know, the soup kitchens and the homeless shelters and stuff like that. Don't use the excuse of, well, we're involved in the local to justify not being involved in the international. Smaller churches, probably than the one that you're going to, were able to do both quite well. And so, we need to ask ourselves yourself, so Why has the church gotten away from this? Part of it, I do think, is just the fact that there's not really a lot of glory to be gained. Sending missionaries is a lot of work. It's very difficult. You're asking people to make big sacrifices and walk with them on the way to do that. And the and the gain in a physical sense is not going to be nearly as much as if you have a bunch of people showing up at a homeless shelter or something. That's going to feel really good right in the moment. The international missions work, or, you know, not international, but, you know, reaching. Um, you know, like a tribe nearby. Those kind of works that are difficult where you're forcing people to leave their culture and give up a lot to do hard work. There's not going to be a lot of fame and acclaim to that. And I think that the church models that we're under a lot of times are not really interested in that kind of stuff. But encouraging you, if you want to be a part of a good and healthy church, this missions outreach is going to be Um, an important sign that you're doing the right thing. When you are running a gospel-centered church that loves Jesus Christ, it should be at some point that you will have somebody who kind of is impacted by what you're saying, who goes, you know what? Actually, I think God is calling me to go out away from this community and tell the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that you can run a church in 20 years and nobody does that. I'm sure that happens, but it is a healthy sign of a church when there are people who go, I want to lay everything down, want to sacrifice everything a part of and head overseas and i think it's you know if you're not a baby regular listener of my thoughts or you are you may be thinking this all the time well easy for you to say troy you are technically you know you are on the mission field you yes i am streaming this recording this right now from cambodia joel is a missions videographer so you know we're a little bit more invested in missions maybe than the average person so we're gonna see things you know if we're talking about lenses and all that yes we're gonna see things from that perspective, but also hear us on the other side. We care about this. We're not just telling you what to do. We do really care about this. We're willing to do, you know, walk some of that walk ourselves. And I really just, I don't know. I think that I've said this before on other episodes, but we, we, we praise people, especially like if you're going to a good church that has probably good theology and good teaching. You'll hear a lot about great teachers, you know, and depending on what spectrum that is for you, that could be R.C. Sproul or that could be Martin Lloyd-Jones or that could be, you know, John MacArthur, whoever it is you look up to, you'll hear these great teachers. But you just really don't hear from the pulpit praise for men like Hudson Taylor and William Carey, and Adniram Judson, or, or women like Gladys Aylward, and Amy Carmichael, and Annie Taylor anymore. You don't hear their mission stories from the pulpit. You don't hear these good things God has been doing anymore. And we're teaching people to only look up, I think, to the great teachers of the faith, but I think many of these great teachers would tell you that the people they look up to are the missionaries, the ones who went and did the hard, incredible, difficult work of going and telling people about Jesus Christ. And I think Mm -hmm. that we as a church have moved our center and our focus off that outward evangelism and inward to our own you know, inward, and to, to a degree, discipleship is a natural inward. You're working on the inside yeah. of the church, and we've kind of been killing the external outward, and we've got to get back to a place where, yes, we are making disciples, and yes, we are also evangelizing, too. Doing both.
1: Right. I like, I, and I am maybe kind of reword what you were mentioning there, but I like, what you essentially were just implying that a, a, a church sending out missionary is the, the fruit of that church, right? Like that's when a church is doing what it's supposed to be doing and when the, the, the spirit is working and, and people are growing in the way that they should, the natural progression of that, the natural outcome of that is that people, that that missionaries are, are going to be produced. People are going to identify areas that the gospel is less known and want to go there and make the gospel known to those people, right? And that's, that's what mission is. Y- your church... The gospel exists there. It, praise the Lord for that. And, and we see those congregants around that are being edified and built up in that. Um, but eventually, again, as Troy mentioned, the natural, specifically discipleship, the natural progression of that discipleship chain is to then identify uh, areas where the gospel is lacking and, and meet that need, wherever that may be. Uh, around the, we we often think of it cross-culturally because the gospel is so prevalent where we're currently at, but identifying where the gospel is needed, and again, that should be part, a natural part of that discipleship progress, and if that is, don't feel like we're critiquing every church, if that's something that your church understands and is an encouragement of, then praise the Lord, that's awesome, but so much of the time, it, it almost seems like that step is left mm-hmm. out of, yeah. of, of yeah, how that goes,
0: what is the goal of all this discipleship if not to get the evangelism? Right. It's almost discipling for the sake of discipling.
1: There's almost faceted layers to that because there's your immediate uh, outreach, you know, and you're in your town and in, in the people around you uh, to evangelize through them and to share the gospel with them. Um, but I feel like the natural progression of that uh, ends up on a larger scale, to that, and of course, it's not blanketed across the board. Not everyone is called cross-cultural missions uh, to plant churches in you know third-world countries. I totally understand that, but uh, in some way, and it's up to you to figure out how that fits into your life. Whether that be through financial giving, whether that be through using what talents you have, whether that be by going there yourself, uh, you should have that drive and desire to be a part of having more people hear the good news of Jesus, however that may be. Like Troy, for example, you're you're an excellent communicator, you're a great teacher, and you're using your skills as a teacher uh, to lead students and congregants there in Cambodia. My skills are in in technical and in video, uh, and me and my wife serve as videographers with a missions agency. The concept of just using your talents for missions is obviously something I'm I'm pretty passionate about, Um, but I do think it's something, we have this tendency to look at the Gospels and, you know, we get to the end and we read the Great Commission and we think that that's something you still need to be called to. Like, like, Oh, you know, I wonder if God will call me to missions. That's not, it's like, it's not written that way. It's not an option. Like, it's not something that you you are, if you're a believer, you are called to missions. You have to figure out what that looks like in your life. But uh, that is the default state of believers is to uh, go unto all the world and proclaim the name of Jesus and, it'd be neat to see that emphasized more in local churches. I think is what Troy and I are trying to say.
0: I think so too. I I think that historically this was a thing. Again, I mentioned at the top, but Hudson Taylor's parents praying to send a child. You look in the 1880s, there's this explosion of worldwide missions where churches are sending missionaries all over the world. And the people know the name of those famous missionaries. When I say names like Jim Elliott, when I say names like Hudson Taylor, when I say names like Amy Carmichael or Gladys Aylward, you know those people are. Or if you don't, you're going to go subscribe to Martyrs and Missionaries run by Elise, and you're going to know who those people are. (laughs) But when I ask you, who are the people that we know today? Who are the missionaries who are making a difference today? You may know a name or two from your church. Your church might be sending people, but there's no one commanding audiences or getting crowds or getting people excited about missions in the same way that it really was prevalent in the 1880s, 1890s. You know, D.L. Moody, Charles Spurgeon, Uh, These people, George Mueller, these people, George Mueller's running orphanages, yet he was still sending like tons of money to the China Inland Mission. If you read Hudson Taylor's autobiography, he's in shock at how much money George Mueller is dropping into the ministry, even though he already runs a ministry that you would think would be enough. You're running an orphanage for thousands of orphans. Why? You've done enough. And he's going, no way. I've got to get money over to those guys telling people about Jesus. I've got to get money to Hudson Taylor, this guy running a small, at the time, small Mission organization. That's how passionate these people were. Part of the reason we know names like Hudson Taylor today is because big names like D.L. Moody and Charles Spurgeon stepped aside and let you hear from these missionaries because they were so passionate about missionary work. We have sermons by Hudson Taylor on our feed. Almost all of those sermons come from a a conference that he had in Shanghai and also from D.L. Moody's personal church where D.L. Moody was stepping aside and letting Hudson Taylor come and teach and preach. You know, do we see that today? do we see Mm. this emphasis where big pastors are saying no no not from me who am i i'm nobody you need to hear from somebody who's out there living it here let me let this missionary come you know do we need to see that as a church again become important to us if we want to be a church that's creating discipleship now i want to take it off though because we're talking about the big broad scope of history and the big broad scope of um churches but if you're not a pastor you know you're a mom, or you are a kid maybe in high school, because we have plenty of those listening, or, you know, you are a young guy, you're maybe going to college, or you're just working an early job, you just got married, you're one of those people, you don't run a church or you do, you just got started, and you're going to hear all this and go, this is great, but what does this have to do with me? Let me encourage you, you can still be a part of missions life. Your life, even if your church maybe isn't reflecting this yet. You can encourage it. You can go to those um, the times when your church wants to hear from you and go talk to them about, hey, I want to see more of an emphasis on missions at my church. You can ask, hey, can we start a prayer room for missionaries? Or, hey, can we get involved in maybe a short fundraiser or somebody we can support? You can do those things. and I think you should do those things. I think you should be talking to your pastors. Hey, are there any missionaries that we support in this? So what have we done for them lately? And how can we get some encouragement out to them? It goes a long way. But if you're not going to do that, in your own life too just look at your own personal um the way you're living how often do missionaries come up in your prayers do you i mean do you honestly mm-hmm. do you pray for the missionaries your church is sending out, or is it just a quick thing you do in the sunday night prayer circle or is it something like no on a daily i have people who have messaged me and say i pray for you every single morning and it is so encouraging and i think their prayers have been answered many times in my and just helping me but can you say that, you who are listening right now, do you believe that you could honestly say, I'm praying for some missionaries every morning? And I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there. I'll, I'll confess as well. I'm here and I'm not doing that. So I'm failing in that area too. <laughs> Don't feel bad if you're failing, but maybe we can do better. And you know in your finances maybe you can't support a ton of people but are you supporting anybody at all is this reflected in the way you're using your money is this reflected in the way you spend your time is this reflected in the way that you pray do mm-hmm. if god if we were just pulling out your life you know and putting them in the books would god see any interest in missions at all and that is something you need to kind of look at and go, how can I get mad at the church if they're not interested in missions work when I'm not interested in it and no one I know is interested in it either? You know, it comes. The church is supposed to lead us, but we are also a part of the culture, and we can help be a part of that change by saying, I'm going to start making changes in my life to be taking missions work more seriously, and then I'm going to bring this to my church and try to emphasize the need for this because I think a lot of pastors have a, You know, some interest. You're a pastor. You want to see people say you do have interest in missions, but sometimes I think they look at their congregation congregation and go, I've been trying, and they have zero desire, too, to mm. hear about this.
1: Yeah. It's, it's part of the people's responsibility, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a great point. I'm, I'm certain that any pastor that's doing their job correctly has missions on their radar as something that is a necessity. But uh, again, a lot of the times the congregation is just not quite in it, not quite there, not quite uh, producing people that are ready for that type of work. Uh, And so there is something that rests on the individual. And there is something that is empowering by exercising your faith in that way. You know, Troy mentions taking time to pray or giving more towards missions specifically. That's who you are. You know, what you spend your time thinking about, what you spend money on, that's who you are. Like, that's what embodies you as a person, right? Are you dedicating time? Like, time is valuable, it takes time to pray, but you know, so time's value. When you get up in the morning, what are you spending your time on? It takes time out of your day to pray. It takes money out of your wallet to give towards missions, and that takes faith because you you know, you wouldn't do that unless you want to see that communication of the gospel spread more effectively, right? And so, if you're if you have that genuine desire, or I should say I don't, I'm I'm trying to tie this all back to the cross, right? All back to salvation, right? We have that genuine appreciation for what God has done for us, and we want to see other people come to know the love of Christ and save them from an eternity where they are separated from Jesus, right? And the more that that is real to us, the more that we're that that's going to instigate action in us. That's going to instigate movement. But that's how faith gets. Exercise That's one example of how faith gets exercised. And the more you exercise it, the, the more that it gets put to work and uh, is able to shine in other ways as well. All churches, all people, there's always room for improvement. And so obviously just the aspect of missions in local church is something that Troy and I are passionate about about droid do you have any closing thoughts or you kind of gave your closing battery of thoughts already no i
0: i could probably talk more but my main thought is look we'll we'll point out we didn't give any mission models we didn't give any um systems of missions or here's what works best And please do not write in and tell us how evil missions work is or something like that. That's not the kind of conversation we're trying to have here. Yes, we are aware that some missionaries throughout history have not been good. We're not looking to have that. But I still will say, and this I will firmly defend, that a lack of missions is not a response or an acceptable answer to some mission work being bad in the past. Yes, there have been bad missionaries, but there have also been tremendously amazing missionaries that many, many people love Jesus today because of the work they did 200 years ago. So we cannot let a fear of failure guide us that is the opposite of faithfulness to the cross. And I think some people go, well, you know, I just, there's so many, it's so complicated, the situation, there's so many cultural, all these different things. And I go, yeah, all of that is fear motivating you, not faith. We must be people who trust that when we send people to tell people about Jesus, they can do it. And there's, The point to be made that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, there were Christian missionaries being sent to the Vikings. I'm sure they didn't have all the appropriate cultural context, and yet now, for a long time, Norway, Sweden, and Finland were, you know, at least semi-Christian countries because of the hard work that Christians did sending them over there. They didn't have all the proper missionary models, maybe, but they did love Jesus, and they were willing to give their lives for it. You know, we don't need perfect models. We don't need perfect systems in place. but we do need our people who love Jesus. I hope, you know, one of my great desires, um, for for the just Revive Studios in general, and between Martyrs and Missionaries, Revive Thoughts and all and the and the other stuff that we do, is I would love to find out that somebody was encouraged to go out into missions or to make missions a central part of their lives and how they live out their faith because of just the encouragement they're receiving from these shows. I think that's one of the things church history does for us is gives us an appreciation for, for, for mission work. Because when we look at just how many people we look up to loved mission work, we realize that this is something that needs to become more central. I think to all of our hearts, all of us should have a near and dear feeling for those who don't know Jesus. And yes, that doesn't mean all of us are called to go to the mission field, but I would actually make the case that some of us are. Some of you may even be listening to this right now, and you are called to go to the mission field. You know you're called to do it and i think some of us need to step out in faith and go okay it's time it's time to stop making excuses it's time to stop living in fear it's time to stop saying i'm too uneducated i'm too poor i'm too this i'm too that and it's time to just do like many of the greats before us have done and say i'm gonna go do this and if it fails i'm doing it for jesus he will he will catch me when i fall but he will see me through to the end i can follow god even to the hard places
1: amen all right ReviveThoughts thoughts at gmail.com i know you have opinions i know you have some thoughts Write into us we'd love to hear uh, what you're thinking uh thoughts at gmail.com or you can private message us on the social media platforms as well but that's going to do it for today's revived conversation we look forward to coming back next week with another episode of revived thoughts
0: this is troy and joel and this is Revive thoughts